Some of you wondered where Pastor Jim is. I, I was with him a couple days ago and took a picture. Uh, he, he's in a very important discussion, and you might want to <laughs> remember him. Uh, the, coach, or the Pope is looking for a succession plan. A uh, couple things Jim disqualifies him. One was his story last week about being a camp counselor <laughs> and what he said. And the other is his marriage. Well, if you have an outline, it helps you to know where we are and what the one sentence is that carries down. And it also, uh, if you're wondering when I'm going to be done, it's right when I get to the bottom. <laughs> nice to be with you. Well, let's go back in John just for a moment. We've been there, and uh, you've been there, and uh, it's a crucial time. John 1, 1 to 13 are the events in Jesus' life, of course. And by the way, if you're not sure of who he is, uh, read John. Man, it's all about his deity and who he is and what he can do. Then you come to chapter 14, and he makes this atrocious claim, unless it's true, that he is the way, the way, and the truth, and the life. Whoa. Chapter 15 is about abiding in him and living not like this, uh, all by yourself, but like this in combination. It's a fruit illustration, abide in the vine, but it's really a spiritual issue. Chapter 16 uh, a lot of it last week uh, about the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to pick it up in chapter 16 about the Holy Spirit, and the context is what he does. Now, Jim did a fantastic job last week on saying when the Spirit helps an unbeliever, it's especially related to uh, uh, getting at his heart and, and saying, convicting him of, of sin and, and of righteousness as a gift, not as something we earn and of judgment. Now, I begin reading at uh, verse, uh, where am I? Wrong chapter, there I am. Verse 17. Some of his disciples said to one another, what does he mean by saying, in a little while you will see me, no more, and then after a little while you will see me, and because I am going to the Father. Verse 18, they kept asking, what does he mean by a little while? <laughs> now, he's been talking about the Holy Spirit. He's been talking about he's going to leave. And, and kids, if you're here, uh, there are three persons in the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And I didn't come down in equality. They're all three God. And one uh, God, three persons, something like, gravity, I can't explain it. Something like birth, I can't quite diagnose it. But he's going to, because he leaves, as part of his leaving, he's going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, all of this is related to the cross. I saw one outside driving up. Uh, they're everywhere in this building or a lot of places, and it's good. Some of you have them around your neck. All of us who have studied Christianity know it's the central issue to everything. And the cross, Jesus is going to show us, is going to bring in a brand new day. It won't be like it was with Adam and Eve. It won't be like it was with Moses. It won't be like it was with David. It's going to be so different. And so everything he says right here is about the cross, no question. So, 
The first few verses, I'm going to summarize it with Jesus dying and rising. It's crucial. Again, he brings up this phrase, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me. And all the disciples said, huh? What do you mean? And so they ask him again, verse 19. Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this. So he said to them, are you asking one another what I meant when I said, in a little while you will see me no more, and then after a little while you will see me? Huh? Let's talk about it just for a minute. Uh, I studied for this. Good, Newt, that's good. But there are three possibilities of this, and I think they're all real. In a little while, you will see me no more. And then in a little while, you will see me. Death. He's going to die. This is the last week. This is, uh, we believe, sitting in the upper room, and after this is chapter 17, where he prays for, his, for us and his followers, and chapter 18, he's arrested. So these are his last words. And you got to think that these 11 men, Judas is gone, are thinking, what's next? What, when do we take over? Uh, when does Rome get kicked out? And maybe they've solved that because he's, keeps telling them he's even going to die. And now he says, in a little while you will not see me, but hang on, in a little while you will see me. Resurrection. Yeah, I think so, maybe. Here's a second possibility. He's been talking about the Holy Spirit this whole time, even starting in chapter 14. In a little while you won't see me. I'm going back to heaven couple months. And then in a little while, you'll see me again. So a lot of writers, scholars say, this is the Holy Spirit who's really Christ in us. Okay, not many days after this, Pentecost start, comes. Pentecost, if you're new, is the coming of God's Spirit into lives of who believe in him so that they live like this all the time. Is that you, by the way? It's so easy to live like this. You can do well. You can be rich. You can be, you can be happy. But you can't have righteousness and a connection with God all the time. A third possibility, and surely an application, kids, adults, everyone, is in a little while you will see me, and then you won't see me again. And it's going to be what we call a very long time, but in, in his mind, a little while, you will see me again. He's coming back to the world. <laughs> and I think that's at least an application issue that we need to deal with. Okay. They believe, I think, that he means he's going to die and rise again. So let's look at it now. By the way, I don't want to make a difference between Jesus dying and rising. It really ushers in this new day of the Holy Spirit. So in his mind, you have this couple giant events. On Jesus' resume, by the way, it would be creation, salvation. <laughs> and here he's saying, I'm going to leave, 
and then I'm going to rise again. And this brings in the new era, a few days later indeed, of the coming of the Holy Spirit to live within us. This is a huge issue to believe. If you're not a, if you're not a committed Christian yet to surrender your life to Christ, it's true. At church, we ask you to believe huge things, all proven <laughs> by the resurrection. Now, next point, verse 20, just to get the feel of this. He, he adds to this, verse 20. I tell you the truth. You will weep and mourn. Watch this. While the world rejoices. That's his crucifixion, I think. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. And then he explains. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come, but when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born. Some of you have had that privilege. And by the way, the same person, in this case, a baby, who causes the pain causes, brings the joy. Same thing. The same pain, the event that causes the pain. Jesus is dying. When they realize what it means, that's going to cause the joy. But when he dies, somebody described it as bats flying around the cross, like demons flying around going, yeah, and Satan's certainly celebrating, and the, the disciples are scattered, Mary's crying, uh, everybody's crying, uh, they're in grief, but the resurrection, whoa. Do you rest your whole case on this? It's huge. It's everything. And it's going to bring in this new day. Now, after the Holy Spirit comes, the place was changed. The Christian faith spread like a flame. These guys all and the women gave their lives. Many of them died for this. And gave their lives because they had seen him risen. So their grief turns to joy. Let me talk about that for a moment. A Christian principle. Now and then. It, it, it was there for the three days of the resurrection. Uh, until the resurrection. It was there until the coming of the Spirit. And we all face it now. So you have this. We have the pain of now. Uh, as Bobby said it, we could, we could go around the room and everybody would say, I, I mean, I, I grew up with tragedy of death and my mom and my sister and divorce of my parents. And we could go around and have that multiplied. Now, and, and, and Christians bank so much on the return of Jesus Christ to the earth. So there's a principle here that there's a time of pain and then, wow, wait till you see what's going to happen then. Resurrection, the coming of the Spirit, the return of Jesus Christ to St. Charles, to everywhere. Now, what can we do during this time? Three things for sure. And one is, already mentioned, hope. He's giving them hope. If, if, if you're a Christian, our middle name ought to be Hope. Now, I guarantee you there's a lot of people on the radio and television who represent Christ, and there's a lot of your friends who, who are, have bought into what some people 
in a disparaging way, call the health and wealth gospel. It's like, trust Jesus and everything will be wonderful. I heard, uh, I have a, a radio station, forgive me for this, uh, one of the most popular preachers in America, and I turn it on when I'm driving alone, if I'm sleepy, just because I can argue with him out loud. <laughs> I do, I yell at him, I don't want to say his name. I, it's not Jim. I yell at him. <laughs> And I say, come on, it's not that easy. And I say, what would that do for the inner city of Chicago to hear your somebody's miracle right now? And, and right now, some, in some ways, we just hope. We really do. A second thing that we can do is believe. And, and, and for the disciples, it was, I'm telling you, I'm coming back. The resurrection, believe it. They didn't. It's hard. And, and many of us wonder when he's coming back to the earth now. It's a, it's a constant deal. We all doubt. We think, come on, it's been 2,015 years, something like that. And, but to believe is to rest your case and to live your life combined with Jesus Christ, not alone. Is that you? And a third thing we can do, which is really a part of believe, is obey. All the things he says in here, and we know his will, whatever you think about God's will, here's the main point about God's will, to obey him. And then get through the pain, whatever it is, tension. When I was little, I grew up in a church, a good church, really was, I'm so grateful in many ways, but there was a lot of rules. Don't smoke or chew or date the girls that do. And a, a, lot of, a lot of rules about life and legalisms. But there was also this, I think, a little bit of a false... We sang a song, sing and smile and pray you'll drive the clouds away. I'm not sure if that works. Uh, we sang every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. And just then, in third grade, I was breaking up fights between my mom and my dad. Every day with Jesus is not necessarily sweeter than the day before. I understand the, the sentiment behind it. I'm just saying, a correct theology of life now is there's a lot of hard stuff. You tell me why God allows some nations to be so rogue or ISIS to do what they're doing. Come on. I get asked that a lot as I coach pastors. I don't know. I know he's Lord. I know he'll make all things right. And our hope is in him. He's yours. So that's a principle that comes out of this that we got to grab hold of. In the Bible, here's mine, in the Bible are all these things about the the. the the coming pain, and Jesus is going to say at the end of this uh, chapter, you're going to have trouble. It's going to be all kinds of trouble. But it keeps saying, but hang on, and here's our hope. I hope you do that. Again, last week I, I was listening to the sermon, and I thought I have never, I have, for a long time anyway, such a gorgeous explanation of what it means to believe in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit convicts you of your sin. You say, I need help. Righteousness is a gift from God. 
When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross counts for you. Whoa. So when he cried out, it is finished, it means your sins were paid for. He had just cried out, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because of my sins and yours. It is paid for. So that gets us from minus 7 million sins, or however many you have, to zero. Nobody goes to heaven with a zero. Got to be perfect. But perfect is a gift. And the second part of salvation, all part of Romans 3, is that the gift of righteousness is given to us, and we're covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Wow. When you believe in Jesus Christ, he sees you as crucified with Christ. Your sins are paid for, but also as covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Six or seven times in the book of Ephesians, it says we're in Christ, in Christ. That's the new day. It's better in Hebrews, even. If you're Jewish, you have a beautiful, beautiful system of belief. But the New Testament says that from the old to the new, it's even better. Why? Because he comes into our lives by his spirit. So it brings a new day. Verse 28. Here's the new day. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world, going back to the Father. Um, I, I jumped ahead of myself. 23. I'm sorry. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is the new day. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. There it is again. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. He says, I've been speaking figuratively, 26. In that day, you will ask in my name. There it is again. I'm not saying I will ask the Father in your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you, and because you have loved me and have believed in me that I came from God. In this new day, this is now, this is church age, we are to live in his name, covered by him, in his character. And that's why we pray in his name. By the way, when you pray, I think it's, it's just an opinion. I think it's healthy, at least many times, to close in Jesus' name. But always pray in his name, meaning in his character, by his covering. I, I don't deserve to be here. Now, nobody in the room would pray, hey, God, you got me. Pretty cool. But neither should we pray, hey, God, I go to a good church. I've done pretty good for a week and... We pray and we live in his name. It's a huge issue. By the way, it is a whole way of life. I'm a Larson wherever I go, for good or bad or worse. You're a policeman wherever you go if you're a policeman. Every once in a while, you'll, just the other day it happened again in the paper, a policeman off duty sees somebody robbing a store, goes over and stops the robber. He doesn't say, boy, I wish I were on duty. Same with you if you're a doctor. Somebody's hurt. You don't say, well, here's my card. Call me at the office. You, your name is doctor. Your name, my name is Christian. 
And we pray in his name. We live under the banner of his name. In Colossians it says, whatever you do, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it's a new day. Then they, they saw him. What's Jesus doing? Oh, we're going out fishing. Oh, we're gonna, he wants to teach, gather around. No, we all now live in his name. It's the way you treat your wife, your husband, your kids, your parents, the way you live as a single, in his name. Uh, what a way to live. And when you go to bed, you rest in his name, in his character, because he's Lord. You're, you're covered by him. Whoa. Do you live with that joy? It's like marriage. I always explain it this way. I think it's a good picture. It's in the Bible. Here's your life if you're a single. Nothing wrong with being single. In fact, more people ought to be single so they can give more time to ministry, maybe. But when you get married, now you live this way for the rest of your life. Can you be go back and live that way? Yeah, but don't do it. It's wrong. We do it little ways. We forget to tell him something. Women got to get better at communication. <laughs> how did you? This is. How did your day go to the man? Fine. That covers it. Just bared his soul. Asked my wife how the day went. Well, this morning I was about. I think it was right about six. Anyway. How did I get off on that, you say? To live in his name. The second part here about a new day is believing in abiding in his deity. And that's what I meant by verse 28. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. That's deity. The disciples said, now you're speaking clearly. That's really nice of them. And without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. And he says, you believe at last. By the way, if you're sharing your faith with your husband or your wife or some good friend, please don't push them. You believe at last. These guys have been with him. They have seen so much. And they have stuttered in their belief, and they've been discouraged. And even his mother Mary took her a long time to believe that he's the Christ, the Son of God. And she raised him. Believing is hard for the soul to put everything on someone else. And, and Jesus says, you believe at last. One time our daughter went to, uh, our both daughters went to school not far from here, Chicago area. And one time, in, we were in Akron, Ohio, where we pastored for a long time. I got a phone call, and I'm going to make up a name just for fun. John Jones called and said, hey, I'm driving to home to New Jersey from Chicago, and your daughter Allison said, if I get sleepy, I could stop and stay at your house. Would that be okay? <laughs> and I said, let me call you right back. What's your number? got his number called Allison of course our daughter Allison John Jones just called and said you said he could sleep oh yeah I forgot to tell you I call him back say John come she comes in Allison's name of course that's fine when we pray when we live our lives in front of God it's in Jesus name 
We pray that way. He said, I'll I'll answer that. I'll be with you. Live your life in Jesus' name. Until you do that, you're on your own. And you're a dead duck. You'll never make it. You can't even do your best. And you got to be righteous totally. (laughs) So live in his name and then abide in his deity. And by the way, his deity. The life of Jesus Christ from birth to death to resurrection. Look at it. He loved people of all sizes and shapes. Children would run to sit on his lap. The lepers had a saying among them, he's one of us. Not because he healed them all, but because he loved them all. He didn't just talk about love, he showed it constantly. He sat down with a woman at the well. The Jews wouldn't even talk to a Samaritan. Wouldn't even talk to a woman in public. Whoa. And he sits down and he tells her, she said, everything about me. They pulled out his whiskers, a batch at a time with wooden pliers. And he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know. And in the hell that he faced, he showed us what heaven is like. He walks on water. He raises the dead. He went to the house of Zacchaeus for drink and and fellowship and ended up at mine and yours because we too were tax cheats or some kind of cheats. He's the Lord. Abide in his deity. Trust him. I'm with him. You're with him. Look where he goes from here. Verse 31. Jesus dying and rising bring a new day. Live in his name, abide in his deity, and here's the new day also, verse 31. You believe at last, Jesus answered, a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, that's surely his death, you will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, my father is with me. And then he concludes with this. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but be of good cheer or take courage. I have overcome the world. So the closing part of this sentence is about about immediate pain with pain and a promise. And that's the way we live today. He says the immediate pain is you will have it and, and you have it and It is a wrong theology that says everything should be just wonderful in our lives. We wish so. Keep praying in his name and pray for healing, indeed. But there are times when we die. And in this world, this pain, the horrors, follow the Middle East and you go, what in the world is next? And and Congress and the executive branch, you think, Let's get out of kindergarten and learn to cooperate and learn to do something together and good for the country. Whatever your politics, it's not working very well. There's pain in personal lives. Again, if we went around the room, let's don't kid ourselves at church. We don't. You don't hear. But that's what's in our lives now. But then... I love the way he closes. I have told you, verse 33 again. 
I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Overcome the world? Yeah. Watch him. He overcame the world in his life. He never sinned. One time I mentioned at the chapel that Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, even sexually and emotionally and every way. I got about four emails. He, he was not tempted sexually. Oh, come on. Every way that we are. He never yielded. He overcame the world. Now, sin brings death. He takes a death, a hit for me and for you and dies for our sin. And he's going to overcome that part of the world. Our enemies are sin and death and the world. The world means lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. He's overcome it. He has victory over it. The resurrection is everything. That's what he's saying. So he says to me and to you and to Christ community and to everyone you know and to your grandparents, some of them in a rest home, take heart. Do you have courage to face tomorrow, to today, to go at a tough assignment at work, to get healing in your marriage? Take heart. Look to Jesus Christ, who has overcome the world and will prove it by the resurrection in three days. will come down to live in our lives by his Holy Spirit so we can live in combination all of our lives. Chapter 17, his prayer. Chapter 18, his arrest. The rest of the book, his death and resurrection. And I want to tell you, these people believed him. John, who writes this, was banished to an island, but he writes the book of Revelation by the guidance of God's Spirit and tells us what it's going to be like someday when he really overcomes the world and brings us into it with him. Whoa. The rest of them die as martyrs. Pretty good tradition has it that Peter said when they were going to crucify him, do it upside down because I don't deserve to go the way that he went. His followers ever since, when we find strength, we find it in this, take my courage in Jesus Christ and do what's right. And he has overcome the world. David Livingston, some of you don't know the name, of decades in Africa, all alone, he was a single. And when he got back to Britain, they asked him, how in the world did you stay in the middle? This was when it really was a dark continent, way back, no communication. How did you do that? How did you stay? He said, well, I remembered his words. I will never leave you or forsake you. He has overcome the world. He has, he has overcome cancer. He has overcome death. He has overcome hatred. He has overcome getting even. And he does it for us and through us. When one of his strong followers wrote to the Romans, I love to mention this verse, he said at the end of Romans chapter 8, to, to Romans who are ruled by Nero, who was the most obsessive egotist that ever lived or tied with, with Hitler and a few others. 
He said, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. He overcomes the world. We overcome as we abide in him and do what's right. Is that you? It can be. These followers went out to see life a whole different way after the resurrection. And then the Holy Spirit comes into their lives and they live their lives with the flame of his joy and peace and love, and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all those evidences of God's spirit in their lives. You can. I can. In the meantime, a little while, a little more of pain, and then he returns. That's the goal for us. And to be faithful and to live in his name and to find the best of life living this way for all of life. He dies for our sins. He rises from the grave. When we put our faith in him, do you? He comes to live in our lives by his spirit and changes our destiny, but also today. Be sure. Let's pray. God, thank you for Jesus Christ center of the scriptures, center of this church, help, help us, allow him to be center of our hearts and our hope. We pray that you would help us live with joy, even in spite of the skirmishes and the pain around the world and the rogue nations or people. As you pray, ask God to help Jesus Christ be the center of your heart in the sense of hope and obedience and believing. If you're not sure of that, won't you ask God to help you know if it's true that you can put your faith in Christ and be made righteous in his sight and forgiven because of the work of Christ. He loves to answer that prayer. God, thank you very, very much for this hope, for the overcoming of Jesus Christ, the conquering of sin and death. It becomes our way, too. Please help. And we pray in the name that is above all names, the name before which every knee will bow someday, name above all names, Jesus the Christ. Amen.